Open your Bibles with you this evening. Turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Ecclesiastes. <laughs> I'm seeing if y'all awake this evening now. If you, where you at? <laughs> if, you, uh, if you're in the New Testament, you might want to go back to the beginning of it and uh, find it in that old thumb index of yours. I remember when I first became a Christian. Boy, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I just the thumb index saved me so many times. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, even today, you look. But where is especially those minor prophets still can be confusing sometimes. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we've been uh, through it. Been through it several months now. And we're in Ecclesiastes chapter ten, chapter ten verses 10, uh, chapter ten verses sixteen through twenty tonight. Ecclesiastes ten. Uh, 16 through 20. Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child, and thy princes eat in the morning. Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in the due season for strength and not for drunkenness. By much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house drippeth th through. By feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry. But money answereth all things. Curse not the king, not in thy thought. Curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Well, Father, we thank you for again for tonight. I pray that you would help us as we uh, read your word and as we uh, proclaim your word. Help us to not only proclaim it, but Lord, help us to hear it and help us to obey it. We thank you for how wonderful it is. We thank you for the precious promises found in it. I pray you just guide and direct in our lives tonight and help us to know you more through this reading and studying and the proclaiming of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When the Great Wall of China was built along its northern borders, it was built to protect the empire of, an invading, of invading nomadic tribes. It was built over the course of several centuries one archaeological survey determined the entire wall, including all the various branches, eventually covered some 13,000 miles. It typically towered 30 feet in the air and stood some 18 feet thick. So, amazing as it was, invading countries, nomadic tribes, still was able to get inside the wall. You say, how? Did they climb over? Did they go through? No. Did they dig under? No. What they did was they bribed the gatekeepers. You see, a wall is only as good as those who are posted by the gates. By bribing the gatekeepers to betray their country, these invading armies marched through the open gates. Gates are only as good as the character of their gatekeepers. What Solomon is talking about is the character of leaders like kings, rulers, gatekeepers, people in authority. They're not defined by their military power or weapons or defense systems, but by their character and integrity and purity. We ought to get back to the day where character counts. Not their lineage, not their heritage, not how much money is made, but character. On every area of life, we are lacking in America character. I heard just today, 
may have heard are talking about, and I hope it's not true, that one of the governors, one of the conservative governors in America was caught up in an affair. Uh, you hear, I heard just yesterday about uh, Charles Stanley's son, Andy Stanley, is going to have some type of conference, uh, some type of a gathering of, of people, like uh, I forget the name of it, but uh, basically he's going to have two uh, homosexual men teach in this conference and how to, how to, how to minister to, to folks who are in the LGBTQ crowd. I just about guarantee his dad would roll over in his grave. Well, you know, I'd, I hate to see the apple did not fell the apple fell far from the tree. If that's the case, I hope is I hope none of that happens. But if you just look on every, you don't have to turn on TV very long. Somebody's done done something. Somebody's involved in some type of scandal. Somebody's cheating. Somebody. Somebody's being blackmailed. Somebody's doing something wrong. So. Solomon is going to give us description in these, in these verses of things we should not do. In fact, I want to unpack in these verses four statements of how you can ruin your life. Young people, I hope you pay attention tonight to these things because they will help you in your life. If you follow the discernment and direction of this one of the wisest men that ever walked the earth, how can you wreck your life? Well... First of all, you can wreck your life by becoming pampered and permissive. Becoming pampered and permissive. This gentleman here, as I mentioned before, is King, King Henry VIII. He uh, was all about him. So much that he had 57,000 people killed during his reign because they opposed him. He didn't like the way they acted. It says in verse 16, Woe to the, the old land when the king is a child and thy princes eat in the morning. The pair, it basically, it's talking about, we're not, this person is saying, basically, we're not going to do anything we don't want to do until we want to do it. Sounds like a child, doesn't it? I want, I'm going to do what I want to do and don't anybody else tell me what to do. <laughs> it sounds like a three-year-old tantrum. But I've seen three-year-old tantrums. I've seen 25-year-olds say the same thing and 55-year-olds say the same things and 77-year-old people the same thing. It doesn't have to do with age, though it should have something to do with age. It has to do with maturity, spiritual maturity. That's what it has to do with. You ever think of a time in your life where you were pampered? The only time I remember in my life, really, when I would get to go to my, my grandmother, we called her, uh, Mama Moon. Now, my, my mom's mom was Meemaw, but my other grandmother was Mama Moon. And every once in a while, once in a blue moon, literally, we, <laughs> we, we would get to go over to Mama Moon's house. And she had this huge leather couch. And I just, I always looked forward to just laying straight on that leather couch and do it in the morning when she was. She'd get up and she'd make us biscuits and gravy. She'd make us some good old thick grits. She'd make us some bacon. She'd make us some eggs. I got to stop. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> My mama knew how to cook. I'd always look, look for it. I'd watch the cartoons. And as soon as she said, okay, it's time to eat, I'd jump up and go in there in that little table she had. My sister and I, we would enjoy that breakfast, and that was just like, that was like to me one of the best things in the world to go to Mama Moon's house and have her breakfast and to get to watch TV and watch the cartoons and lay in that big old black leather chair. 
couch. That was wonderful. But Solomon uses the word child here, talking about, talking about not somebody that is a young person. The Hebrew world, the Hebrew word doesn't automatically refer to children. He's, he uses this word to talk about a person who is immature. He's not talking about chronological, chronological age. He's talking about maturity. Man, we're in trouble in our home. We're in, a country, we're in trouble in our county. We're in trouble in our state. We're in trouble in our nation because we are led by children. Now, they may be older. They may be older than me, but they're, spiritual, but they're spiritually immature. They're spiritually immature. And now it's easy to point fingers, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't take... You, you don't have to try very hard to talk bad about the government. They just give you so much material. I mean, it's just, you go on for hours talking about the bad decisions our country's made just in the last five days. And I really want to go there, but it really won't help because I can't change it and you can't either. But we can talk about us, really, because <laughs> the Bible talks about us that we should be spiritually mature. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sin-sealed milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We should grow spiritually. We should mature spiritually. Because we're actually called in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him who has called you out of darkness in his marvelous light. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I don't always act like a chosen generation. I don't always act like a, a royal priest. I don't always act like a holy nation. Now, a lot of times I act peculiar. <laughs> But I don't know about you, but oftentimes I don't act like a Christian. How about you? I got any amens or I got any old me's? If you're honest, if you're honest this evening, you probably say maybe today or sometime this week, you didn't, you, the thing you shouldn't have done is the same, is the direct thing you did. Or maybe you, you should have done it and you didn't do it. And that's exactly how Paul was if you read Romans chapter 6. Well, Solomon is is trying to help us and, and help us to realize that we need to grow spiritually. And it's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's not just saying, well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'll, just, I'll just show up at church. I'll just, uh, and that's good. Thank God you're here. I'll just show up Sunday morning. I'll show up Sunday night. But it's, it's, not just, it's not just coming, but when you come to hear the word, you do something with it. You do something with what you hear, Right? We're supposed to be more than just hear the. We're supposed to be doers of the word, not just hearers of it. That we take what we that we what we get and we do something with it. And as God gives us light, then we grow. Then we grow. A little baby Harper I saw this afternoon. It, it, it was about time for her to feed, and she was getting anxious about fed, about being fed. And I said, "Well, she's already a good Baptist. She's hungry. She likes to eat." And that's how we do. Hey, if we're not feeding, if we're not growing, something's wrong with us. Same way we would think the same of a baby. If it was not growing, if it's not maturing, we would think something physically wrong. And the same thing in the spiritual realm. If we're not growing in our spiritual walk, then something's wrong. There's something, there's a sin in our life. There's a hobby or a habit that's hindering. There's a relationship that should not be. There's something that's causing us not to grow the way we should. Let me ask you a question. Are you growing spiritually? Are you better now? Are you farther down the road spiritually than you were 
five years ago? Are you obeying more? Or is there areas in your life where maybe that temptation you struggle with for 10 or 15 years, you don't struggle with it as much as you used to? Are you growing the Lord? Well, a selfish person, a proudful person, is someone who becomes pampered, pampered and permissive. Their, their theme is me first. Dear friend, me first does not work in marriage. If you're a me first person in marriage, your marriage will, will either end or it will suffer. And me first doesn't work in the business world. If you're out there trying to help people and really help people, you can't be about me first. Me first doesn't work in the church. It does not work in the church because we're not called to be, we're not called to be kings. We're called to be servants. So me first attitude doesn't work in any relationship in life. And dear friend, we, all of us have to humble ourselves so ultimately the Lord can lift us up. So to be childish is a horrible thing. That's not the way we should live. But secondly, not only become, become pampered and permissive, become dignified and dis disciplined. This is actually the only positive things that, that, that uh, Solomon says in, the, in this passage. Instead of saying something negative, to, to not be uh, pampered, instead of become dignified and disciplined. He says in verse 17, Blessed are thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat the, in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. Basically, instead of being selfish, do right. That's how we should. In other words, there's a dignity and self-discipline in the life of good leaders. They want to do their jobs. They want to, as we sang, do their best. Not for, the benef not for their own benefit, but for the benefit of those around them. Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary on Ecclesiastes, says, uh, wrote, A hireling and often asked, what is best for me? A politician asked, what is best for my party? But, and a true statement asked, what is best for my people? See the difference? See the difference? See, what motivates us shouldn't be power or greed or things, but love. As it did Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constrained us because we thus judge if one died for all, then we were all dead. See, it's not about us because we're dead. And if you're dead to yourself and dead to your dreams and dead to your wants and de dead to what you want, then dear friend, you can, you can be used in a great way. But if you always have to have your way, if everything has to go the way you want it and the way you like it, then, dear friend, you're going to struggle in every area of your life. So, instead of becoming pampered, be dignified and disciplined. Secondly, don't be, don't be inattentive and indifferent. Don't be inattentive and indifferent. Verse 18, by much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness the hands of the house droppeth through. This person says, his motto is, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. The first motto was, me, myself. The second one was, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Are you always do it tomorrow type of person? <laughs> Why do it today when we could do it tomorrow? Well, that's not a good way to live. That'll get you, that'll get you in a lot of trouble. Trouble. This person here is, is basically saying, hey, I, you know, the house, the house, drop it through. There's, the house is leaking. There's a, there's, a, there's a leak in the roof. Oh, it's okay. I'll get it tomorrow. Uh, 
better not. I remember we were getting ready to go on vacation. Might have been one of the first vacations when we were, were here, just been here a couple months. We're getting ready to go on vacation or go, go out of town. And I was going in my son's room for something. I can't even remember what it was. But I looked up and I saw a big brown spot. And it was, I, knew it was, I knew it was water in the ceiling. You know, my flesh said, ah, oh, just go. Because I, I was actually had the kids about in the car and ready to pull out of the driveway. But I thought to myself, if I go, sure as the world, that's going to get worse. And it would have. So what I do? I do what I always do when I have trouble in the house. I call Jimmy. <laughs> I said, Jimmy, I need your help. And what did Jimmy do? He came over like he always does. He came over and said, I think you've got a leak. And we took a big old bucket. We put it under, he, put, he took it up there and he put it in the attic. I think that bucket's still up there, brother. I'm not sure. <laughs> and he, then later on while we were gone, he patched the roof. And it, it wasn't the brown. And we fixed the, we fixed the, the, the spot on the, in the ceiling. But what if I just left that? Well, I came home to a mess. Oh, man. You, well, hey, listen, when there's a problem, you know the best thing to do is take care of it right now. When there's a problem between you and another person, the flesh says, ah, oh, you know, it'll fix itself. Mm-mm, it don't. Ladies, when you hear a strange noise in your car, that's the time to stop the car. That's the time to stop the car. Pull off side of the road and call your husband. Don't say, oh, well, you know, it'll get better. No, no, no. Strange noises mean stop. Stop. I was telling Brother Chuck a while ago, my AC went off uh, the Saturday night before Labor Day, 10 o'clock at night. I heard a, it got hot and I heard a strange noise. Now my flesh wanted to say, well, just keep turning it on. But that noise kept getting louder and I turned it off. Now, if I'd have kept it on, it would have ruined the AC. It cost me a lot more than it actually did. No. When there's a problem, take care of it right away. Don't think, well, time heals all wounds. No, sometimes you, you taking care of it heals the situation. Take care of it now. The day you hear of it. When I hear of a problem in life, the day I hear of it, by the grace of God, I try to do something about it. And that's a good thing to do in life. Don't wait. Don't say, well, some, I'll, get, I'll take care of it later. No, don't be inattentive. Don't be in a, indifferent. Don't be lazy. In the same way in, in your life, same way in your relationships. Relationships are like gardens. They need proper care on a regular basis. A garden, a house needs proper care on a regular basis. If not, you're doing a whole lot of work all at once when you don't have to. Take care of daily maintenance. Take care of the weeds today when you see the weeds. Take care of problems today when you see the problem. Don't put it off for six months later. It'll, have to, it'll be so much more difficult. No, dear friend. Don't become inattentive and different. Be active. Be proactive. Take care of things soon. Thirdly, become selfish and shallow. How to destroy yourself, how to wreck your life. It says in verse 19, a feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry, but money entereth all things. Basically, this person says, just focus on money. Just get rich. Just get rich. A feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry, but money entereth all things. Bread is for laughter. Wine makes you happy. Money solves everything. 
Oh, it doesn't, does it? One commentator by the name of Philip says, money will fix every problem, every pain, every hardship, every loss. Just get more money. That's the philosophy of the world. The Greek translation, the Old Testament, called the Septuagint, translates it this way. Everything humbly obeys money. Everything bows at the shrine of money. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches, isn't it? The love of money is the root of all evil. Solomon had went down this path. He was the richest man in the world. He knew what it was to have money, to have things, to have stuff. And his personal testimony, a man who had solid gold plates, silver common as gravel. And what did he do? He ruined his life. Did money make Solomon's life better? No, it just complicated it. Again, there's nothing wrong with having money. It's when you love money more than God and love money more than people and love money more than truth and love money more than righteousness. When you love money, trust money, it will be your ruin. It will destroy you. Fourth, become obstinate and opinionated. This person is like, his motto is, so what? Or who cares? Curse not the king, nor no, not in thought, and curse not the rich in the bedchamber. A bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. She says, don't even, Solomon's saying, don't even think bad thoughts. If you think bad thoughts, they may somehow leak out of your mind, and somebody will hear it. A little birdie will hear it. It might carry it away. Now people share their thoughts through, on social media. They tweet them or they text them or they message them or they put them on social media. How many lives have been ruined because something, somebody posted something? They shouldn't have posted it. It's a funny thing. People will post the craziest things in the world, but they never say them to them. They never say them publicly. But they post them, and, and millions of people can read them. And sometimes those things they post, they, can, they go back and read them five or ten years later. How many people have been fired because of an angry post or a mean tweet? Will Rogers, the humorous philosopher, put it this way, Live so that you would not be ashamed to, tell your parrot, to, to, to sell your parrot to the town gossip. Live so. Do not be ashamed to sell your parrot to the town gossip. I was thinking about that. I should live so that if my cats would talk, they wouldn't tell bad things about me to my wife. <laughs> I'm so glad they can't talk. <laughs> but if they could, if they could talk, I hope they wouldn't say, oh, you ought to see Marty today. He was a lazy bum. He just slept all day long. He should have been studying. He was watching football all day long. It just tell tales on me. Oh, no, a little bird told me it's more literally appropriate in our generation than even Solomon's could imagine. Think about the reputation has been ruined, the jobs lost because of people saying things, repeating things when they shouldn't have done them. So let's review the ways to wreck our lives. Become pampered and permissive. Become inattentive and indifferent. Become selfish and shallow. Become, become obstinate and opinionated. These Four things can ruin your life. Don't focus on those things. Don't focus on me first. 
Don't be maybe tomorrow. Don't let your motto be get rich. Don't be obstinate and opinionated and say, I'll just say what I want to say and who cares what I say. No, you're going the wrong direction. Your focus is off if you follow that, those philosophies in life. And dear friend, this is the philosophies of most people in the world today. Those four things are the philosophies of the world today. And unfortunately, many Christians have these four philosophies in their life today. I read about a man by the name of Matt Emmons who was a gold medal, who had a gold medal in sight in 2004 Olympic 50-meter rifle event. All he needed to do is hit the target and he would have won the gold medal. His last shot, all he had to do was hit the target and he would have won the gold medal. And he shot and he hit the target. The problem was he hit the wrong target. Instead of hitting the one right in front of him, he focused his eyes on the one right beside the one in front of him and hit the wrong target and lost the gold medal. You see, friends, if we focus on the wrong things, it will ruin our lives. What is your focus? Yourself? Your money? What you say? On tomorrow, not today. Paul's motto, as we've looked before, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't figured it all out. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth in those things which before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He was singularly focused on Christ and doing his will, not himself, on today, not tomorrow, on loving others, not getting rich, being humble, not being proud. Why? Because his perfect example was Jesus Christ, who was always perfect and never sinned. And dear friend, we have that same example today. So how are we going to live tomorrow? All about me? I'll do it tomorrow. Who cares what people say I say? It's all about what I want to get anyways. How are we going to live our life? Well, if you want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, after hearing this message, you might have to make some changes in your life. What changes will you make? Or will you stay the same today as you will be next year and the year and after year? Because, dear friend, if you don't respond to the, the preaching and teaching of God's Word and make changes as the Holy Spirit directs you, then we'll be the same and we won't change. And eternity will tell the choices we made. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. I pray, Lord, you'd help us. Lord, I don't know the heart of every person here. There could be someone in this room who's never placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, they maybe made decisions. They've joined churches. They've been baptized. They've walked aisles. Maybe they prayed prayers, but they don't know you. Well, dear friend, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, I, I plead with you tonight, come see me. Come see my wife. Come see somebody else. We'd love to take the Bible and show you can be saved. But if you're a Christian here, maybe some, some, one of the things I talked about 
is an area where you are struggling, or maybe there's some other area that I didn't even mention, some other area that, that the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to you about tonight that it's been, you've been convicted about. Maybe totally different than what I even talked about. The Holy Spirit's been talking to you about this area in your life that needs to change. Are you willing to do it? Do you really want to grow in the Lord? Do you really want to be different than you have been for the last year or five years or ten years? Or do you want to continue to be the same? You have to repent. Repentance is recognizing you're wrong and being willing to go the other direction. With head bowed, eyes closed. With him, is there anyone here tonight would say, Preacher, there's some areas in my life where I really need to change. And the Holy Spirit has, has reminded me or shown me tonight some areas in my life I need to change. Would you pray for me? By the grace of God, I'd have the courage to, to do what I know I should do by the grace of God. Anybody like that tonight? Would you pray for me, preacher? Some areas of my life I need to change. Not the person beside you. Not the person you live with. Not the person you're thinking about in your mind needs to change. I'm talking about you. And areas in your life need to change. Preacher, some things in my life I need to change. Would you pray for me? That God would give me the strength to change those things. As the piano plays, let's stand to our feet. If God has spoken to your heart, the altar is open tonight. If you'd like to come and just ask God to help you. You can pray right there in your seat. Maybe being more forgiving. Maybe about being more loving. Maybe being more patient, more kind, more considerate, more helpful. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you about? Where's that area of struggle? The Holy Spirit speaking to you about, are you ready to change? Or have you decided, I'm just going to stay the way I am? Oh, God, help us to be different. Different from the way we came in tonight.